0: Welcome, everyone, to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone. Thanks for hanging out with me on this wonderful Monday. My Bills exacting a little revenge on the Chiefs last night. Not sure if everybody stayed up for that one because the weather delay pushed a little later than usual, but Buffalo got the win. They looked pretty good doing it. We are fired up today, and we're going to need that energy level because we got a lot of injuries to go over. Some big name players going down in week five. We'll go over those, what it means for your fantasy teams. Then I want to hit on a couple buy-low running backs that I think could either help you out over the next month or maybe later in the season. And then we're going to turn our attention to the waiver wire and do the usual early look at the top players you should be targeting this week who can maybe come in and help your squad in week six and beyond. We got bye weeks starting up, so things are getting a little more chaotic in the fantasy world when you got four, maybe even six teams on bye Week seven, there are six teams on bye. It's going to be an absolute nightmare. So you could start planning ahead this week, even though, I mean, that could be tough to do. And you got all these big name players getting hurt every week and doesn't get much bigger than Saquon Barkley, just awful injury luck of late Barkley misses all last season with the torn ACL gets eased into the year. And then really started to come on the last couple games, 94 yards, from scrimmage and a touchdown in week three, 126 yards and two scores in week four. And then absolute sadness, suffers an ankle injury in week five. And now the reports from Ian Rappaport called it a, a low ankle sprain, which that would be great news since we know the high ankle sprain can be season killer, especially for running backs can just totally sap their effectiveness. Low ankle sprain though, likely would only keep them out a couple weeks here, ideally. And we'll know more after the swelling comes down and we get more tests in the next day or so, but rap sheet saying two to four weeks is the timetable. So Devonte Booker, Might get a start or two here, and the rookie Gary Brightwell's behind him, so he'd be the new backup, but Booker saw all the snaps when Barkley went down yesterday, and he wasn't bad. 16 carries, 42 yards, and a touchdown. Had another 16 receiving yards on three catches and a second score through the air as well. I don't love his matchup this week if he does get the start, but you could see something like we saw from Alex Collins because he's actually going to go up against the Rams like Collins did last week. So it might be you know a lot of touches, not a ton of efficiency, maybe get lucky and he finds the end zone, sort of that RB3 flex with RB2 upside there. And then he gets the Panthers the week after that, so pretty rough opponents here for anyone hoping that Booker can be a difference maker for a week or two or however long Barkley's out. And like I said, it's also the start of bye weeks in week six, so you might not have a choice. You might have to find a running back to throw out there, and Booker might be the best option for you. Uh, We also have to look for updates on his teammate, Kenny Galladay. He left with a knee injury, and it's just the latest in what's been an injury-riddled year for Galladay. I'm not sure on the severity of that one yet, but another injury for this receiving core, too. They're already missing Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton. Those guys are dealing with hamstring issues. And I mean, if there's any silver lining here at all, it's the Kadarius Tony stepped up, their first round pick, six for 78 in week four. This week, 10 for 189 on 13 targets even showed a little feistiness in that game and depending what you think of it i mean there was a little scuffle late in the game and he got ejected for throwing a punch he's pretty lucky that he didn't connect with the helmet because had he connected he might have broken his hand and that'd be pretty bad news for a receiver but it's funny because before the season i talked about how it was going to be really tough for tony to get targets in this offense to carve out a role in year one with all those other guys there But when every other member of the team here gets hurt, and it's not just the receiving core, you also had Evan Ingram miss some time early in the season. You have Saquon Barkley now potentially missing some time. All of a sudden, voila, you're the number one option in the offense. So we'll see what the practice participation looks like for Shepard and for Slayton this week, if they can get back out there or not. But either way, Tony's making a pretty strong case to stay involved. And a lot of this is going to come down to the outlook for Daniel Jones In week six because Jones also left this game in the second quarter he's in concussion protocol we saw last week Teddy Bridgewater with the Broncos he got cleared to play a week later sometimes guys sit out for that week and it takes them two games before they're back hopefully Jones is good to go in week six because nobody wants to see Mike Glennon out there especially going up against the Rams that that would be very very ugly Clyde Edwards Hilaire was the other big name running back to go down this week and initially it looked like he might be dealing with a potentially serious knee injury But Ian Rappaport said it's an MCL sprain, could only sideline him a few weeks here. So for now, Daryl Williams going to be the top ad in the waiver wire column. He's the favorite to take over the lead back duties there in that offense alongside Patrick Mahomes. You always got to look to add pieces when they're attached to Mahomes. Jarek McKinnon is also going to be involved, though. He will be serving as that change of pace, that pass catching option, because Williams has never held that workhorse role before. It's just never been given to him. So we don't know if they even want him to have that. But it's not out of the question that he could be this year's Damian Williams and kind of come out of nowhere in this Chiefs offense and put up some big stats. But you look at him and you see a guy that probably needs to be in a committee. So he's the new lead back in KC until CH returns. Might just be a few weeks here. We'll know a little more whether they put him on IR or not, and then we'll have a better idea of how long he's going to be out. Uh, their teammate, Tyreek Hill, also left the game with a sprained knee. I don't think he's at the same risk of missing time as CH. Seems like he might be okay, but we'll wait for more info there. And then Travis Kelsey will stay on the Chiefs. He suffered a stinger in that game. He's a trooper, though, so it shouldn't cost him any time. We should see him out there. In week six a uh, one more running back injury to discuss here damian harris who i was all over this week on the start sit show on friday i talked about him scoring one touchdown maybe he could get two touchdowns Well, he found the end zone once he was crossing the goal line the second time and got the ball punched out right at the goal line like the one inch line and he missed some time in this game too first he left in the third quarter with a chest injury he did come back And then he left again in the fourth for good. So we're not sure where he stands right now, but that's why I bring it up here. We'll be looking for an update here today and early in the week. If you want to be proactive, you go and you pick up Ramondra Stevenson. You go and pick up the veteran, Brandon Bolden. Stevenson would step right into Harris's role. If Harris was out, Stevenson steps in as that early down grinder. But the Patriots play the Cowboys next week and the Chargers in week eight. So Bolden is going to have some value as that pass catching option there. I would keep him in mind. As well. Joe Burrow finished the game this week, and really the Bengals could have won that game multiple times. The kicking was just atrocious. I mean, the kicking in general was bad on Sunday. Red Zone was just like a highlight reel of missed kicks across the league. But Burrow was reportedly taken to hospital after the game to get checked out for a throat contusion. The update from Zach Taylor, he's out of hospital it's believed to be minor. They're not concerned about it. So I would expect Burrow to be out there in week six, unless we hear something negative over the next 24 hours. But right now it looks like he's going to be okay. Justin Fields hyperextended his knee. He managed to return to the game, played it out. It's just one to keep an eye on here in case further tests show something more, you know, sometimes the adrenaline pump in, you're able to play through it. And then a day or so later, the reality kicks in, the swelling comes down And all of a sudden, the injury is a little worse than you thought. Doesn't seem to be too concerning at the moment, though. Juju Smith-Schuster, he suffered a shoulder injury. And Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette reported that the team was fearful he was going to miss the rest of the season with it. Turned out to be the case. Juju's going to undergo surgery. He's going to be out for the rest of the year. And we wish him nothing but the best. I mean, he's a fun player to root for. But fantasy-wise... He hasn't really been making much of an impact this year, and he probably regrets signing in Pittsburgh because he's going to be a free agent again next year. It was just a one-year deal, and now you look at what he did this season, I don't know if the market's going to be any better for him next year when he gets out there. But with him out, we're looking at it fantasy-wise, it's kind of good news for Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, right? We get a more concentrated target share with those two. And really, they're the two wideouts that before the season, we were kind of focused on drafting. So hopefully Big Ben can continue to keep those guys relevant. And now that it's down to two and not three, I mean, you can include Najee Harris in there as kind of the third guy as the running back. But really, we got those two receivers that we can focus on. And if you're in a super deep league, Ray Ray McLeod's likely to take over the slot, but not somebody that I think you need to worry about in regular leagues. Quintez Cephas on the Lions. He suffered a broken collarbone. Expect him to miss a lot of time maybe the rest of the season curtis samuel also in danger of missing a a big stretch here and we know he's also missed a ton of time before the season at the beginning of the season that groin injury that he suffered in otas just hasn't really healed and he's tried to come back multiple times he's had these setbacks another one this week now You got to wonder whether Washington is just going to shut him down for a while and try to finally get him right. And that's kind of what Ron Rivera hinted at on Monday, called Samuel week to week and said they don't want to expose him and potentially make that injury worse. I think they kind of already exposed him. They probably should have shut him down for longer, maybe put him on the pup to start the season and now it could be a lost year for Samuel. And I don't really think there's anybody else in Washington's offense to pivot to. Obviously, the top guys, Antonio Gibson and Terry McLaurin, you still really like them. But outside of that, when you're looking at the receiving core and who could step up, guys like Adam Humphreys and DeAndre Carter, really risky options. And I would like to see the rookie, Diami Brown, get more run, but he's got a knee injury that sidelined him this week. So we'll see if he can get back out there and maybe emerge as an option in that receiving core as the season goes along here. And The backup tight end, Ricky Seals-Jones, he's filling in for Logan Thomas. He's at least a little interesting, right? And there's a lot of injuries at tight end right now. So just finding somebody who could see five, six, maybe more targets in a game could be beneficial. And Ricky Seals-Jones saw eight this week. I believe. So kind of just stepped right into that Logan Thomas role. Who else do we got here? Tom Brady suffered a thumb injury. Now he's reportedly going to be fine. Something to monitor. They're playing on Thursday night. Doesn't seem to be a lot of concern over that. So he should be out there. Cardinals tight end, Max Williams, likely out for the rest of the year with a major knee injury. And I wonder if Arizona could be a, a trade partner for a team like you know the Eagles and Zach Ertz or the Giants and Evan Ingram. I'm I'm not really sure who else would be available tight end-wise, but Arizona looks like a contender, and Williams was playing a surprisingly big role this uh, year in the offense, so maybe something that uh, they could do out there. Keep an eye on that. Uh, The Saints are on bye this week, but Taysom Hill is in concussion protocol, so he should be back week seven, but uh, hopefully he's going to be fine from that one. It was kind of scary. He got carted off there. Uh, Hopefully the same with Deontay Harris, his teammate too. He caught another long touchdown this week. One of those prayer flex options in deeper leagues. Guy you could put in your lineup and hope that he makes that one big catch that kind of fills out the stat sheet for the week. Not really somebody that you're going to trust most times, but during buys could sneak into your lineup as a, a desperation flex play if he's healthy. Also, Brian Flores, Dolphins head coach, said that Tua Tagovailoa might be back to practice this week. So that's a great sign. You know, we're going to have him recovered soon. We'll get him back sooner than later, hopefully. Dolphins have some pretty nice matchups too. I talked about that last week on the, the Wednesday preview show. That's that's an offense or a passing attack, at least, that I'd be willing to invest in based on some of those matchups coming up. And then just a reminder, we talked about Russell Wilson on Friday's show, but the update there has been confirmed. Russ is going to be out for at least four weeks possibly up to eight weeks he underwent surgery on that fractured finger and the ruptured tendon in that finger and the way it's been described it's that he needs four weeks to heal and then it's just a matter of how how long it's going to take for him to rehab after that and get back up to speed so i would guess we're looking at five or six weeks before we see russ and then depending how the seahawks are doing there might not be any rush to get him back. They're currently 2-3. and three. They got the Steelers, the Saints, and the Jags over the next three weeks, and then they have a bye in Week 9, so it's not the hardest stretch. Definitely some winnable games there, even with Geno Smith at the helm. And if you're in a 2QB or a super flex league, Gino Smith's going to be a hot pickup this week. He didn't look that bad in relief duty on Thursday and going to be surrounded by some great weapons there. So Gino could be a a serviceable QB two option for a a couple weeks here, at least while Russ is out. And it's definitely a downgrade for everybody in that offense. I mean, it bumps Metcalf and Lockett more down into that wide receiver two, maybe even wide receiver three range, depending on the matchups. And we'll see about Chris Carson's neck injury and whether he's going to be back out there this week or whether it's going to be. Alex Collins, but the ceiling for all those guys is going to be lowered. Russ was the thing that made this offense work. And now the Seahawks are going to get a glimpse of what life without Russ is going to be like. And maybe that will be their life starting next year. So uh, now before we get to the top waiver ads, I just want to go over a couple of buy low running backs and I'm not being a homer here. We're going to start with the bills back. Zach Moss has to make this list. He gets the Titans in week six, then a buy, then the Dolphins, the Jags and the Jets. So a really nice stretch there. And obviously, you want pieces of the Bills passing attack. You're not going to be able to pry Diggs or Josh Allen away from their managers. You're probably not going to be able to get Dawson Knox or Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, two more big games from those guys. But I think you could get Moss because... Yeah, the touches remain close. Moss and Devin Singletary still split and work there. But the playing time and the production have gone heavily into Moss's favor. He's more involved as a pass catcher. He's getting the goal line opportunities. His playing time's on the rise. 28% in Week 2. Remember, he was scratched in Week 1. 28% in Week 2. 56% in Week 3 and 56% in Week 4. And then 74% of the snaps this week in that win over the Chiefs. And Singletary's going in the opposite direction. 66 in Week 2 all the way down to 26% of the snaps in week five. And with Buffalo not facing a tough run defense until like week 11, this could be a breakout month for Moss here. And I would say the same about Jonathan Taylor, that he's looking good for this next stretch. Not that he's going to break out. Obviously, Taylor already one of the best backs in the league, but... He doesn't play until Monday night. Hopefully everybody makes it out of that game healthy. And this doesn't look silly that I'm talking about Taylor and he got carted off or something Monday night. We are knocking on wood here. We do not want to see that happen. But the next five games here, all really nice for Taylor and the Colts. And remember last year, we looked at his schedule for the second half of the season and we predicted he wasn't playing well at the time, but we predicted the schedule was going to get a lot better. Taylor was going to have some monster performances. This is kind of similar. The Texans, the 49ers, the Titans, the Jets and the Jaguars, and I know the 49ers look like a good defense there, but they've been giving up a lot of production to fantasy backs, and four of those teams are in the top 10 for fantasy points allowed to running backs right now, and the Titans are the one that, that aren't, and they're not that far off, so those are all games that should be close for the Colts, maybe the Colts can actually win it, Taylor's going to be used a lot, now's the time to buy him, and then one more, Elijah Mitchell on the 49ers, and this one may be a little bit sneaky, Everybody was so excited about him early in the season. Then he gets hurt and misses a couple games. Then he comes back this week, but the stat line wasn't anything crazy, right? 11 touches, 62 yards, no touchdowns. But more importantly, he played the bulk of the snaps. He was the clear number one option. There was some uncertainty. Did Trey Sermon do enough that he'd hang on to that job? Was Mitchell going to come back? Would it be a 50-50 split? Would Mitchell see more work? Well, Mitchell played 68% of the snaps. Trey Sermon went right back to almost nothing, 3% of the snaps. Sermon didn't get a touch until the second half. So this is Mitchell's backfield and he's on bye this week. So maybe his manager right now, they might not be overly excited that they had to hold him for a few weeks, that he came back, didn't really have a big performance. And now they're sitting on him again. He's going to have to sit on their bench for one more week here before they get another shot to play him. I think they might be frustrated, you know, that he didn't light up the box score this week, that they've had to deal with kind of all these weeks of ineffectiveness and him not being available after they probably spent up to get him on the waiver wire. And if you look ahead to his immediate schedule here, Chicago, the Cardinals, the Rams, that's kind of scary too. You don't love that, but that's not why I'm suggesting you pick him up. Mitchell has the Raheem Mostert role down in this offense right now. At worst, he is going to be the speed option. Even if somebody comes back like Jeff Wilson, maybe when he returns, we don't know when that's going to happen. They've said November, but When he comes back, maybe he turns this into more of a split. But we're looking at the schedule for later in the season. From week 13 on, the 49ers get the Seahawks, the Bengals, the Falcons, the Titans, and the Texans. And Mitchell has impressed. And the time that he's played so far looked really explosive this week too. I would make a move for him because I think later in the season, if he can stay healthy... I think he's a guy that could help swing some fantasy titles. And I know before the season, I was saying Trey Sermon might be that guy, but we have to adapt as the season goes along. And we're seeing this right now. The 49ers coaching staff, they like Mitchell more. They like what he's bringing to the table. They like that big playability, that speed. Mitchell's somebody that you should try to go and trade for if you can. All right, let's go over the top waiver ads for week six. As always, you can see that full waiver wire column. It's available in the score on Monday nights I talk about 50, 60 plus players in that article. But let's hit on the top names here. We'll start with quarterback, and it's right back to the 49ers. Trey Lance, 47% rostered. Like I mentioned, they are on bye this week. He's coming off that first start with a bit of a mixed report card, I would say. The rushing stats were great 89 yards on the ground. The passing is a work in progress. Only completed 52% of his passes. Really missed pretty badly on some of them, ended up with 192 yards, no touchdowns and a pick. And it was a tough matchup with the Cardinals. We have to remember their pass rush is pretty strong and Lance was kind of under fire all game long. But when you factor in how he looked in this game, when you factor in how Kyle Shanahan's talked about the situation, my guess is they're going to go back to Garoppolo after that bye in week seven. That's assuming Jimmy G's healthy. Seemed like maybe he was going to have a shot to play this week even. So you'd think two weeks away, Jimmy G probably ready to go. And I think they're going to go back to him. Either way, Lance needs to be rostered almost everywhere just in case he does get the nod in Week 7 or in case they turn to him down the stretch. Because San Fran right now, they're 2-3. and They're at the bottom of the NFC West. If they don't start winning soon... That's only going to increase the chances that we're going to see Lance later in the year. We saw a glimpse this week of what that upside can be, right? So you think about Josh Allen and his rookie season, kind of running around a whole bunch, not having a lot of great touch on his passes, sailing some balls over receivers, but putting up big-time fantasy points. And then you look at how far he's come. Lance has that kind of ceiling. If he gets in there later in the year, he could put up pretty good numbers, like we saw this week, even in a game where overall didn't look great he still put up solid fantasy numbers without scoring a touchdown. So hopefully he's going to get a chance to showcase that ability kind of like Josh Allen did late in his rookie season. Some other quarterbacks you can consider here. Jameis Winston, 34% rostered. He's on bye this week. It's not a bad schedule when he comes back, though. Seahawks, Bucks, Falcons, Titans... Some pretty weak pass defenses in there. And Jameis has that weak winning upside, right? He showed it this week, four touchdowns in that game. So now in his first five games here, he's got a four touchdown performance and a five touchdown touchdown performance. So Jameis is a guy you could look to and maybe he gets even more comfortable. I know Drew Brees, when they were trying to fill time during the weather delay last night, they asked him about Jameis and he said that it just takes time in that offense. And Jameis has the skills, but as he gets more comfortable, we might see some better performances. So hopefully that's the case for streamers this week. It isn't a great week for quarterbacks. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, 18% rostered. He's playing the Raiders. Taylor Heineke, 16% rostered against the Chiefs. And Carson Wentz still has yet to go tonight, but 13% rostered has a nicer matchup next week against Houston. I mean, all three of those guys come with some amount of risk. And if you're in a 2QB or a super flex league, we could go even deeper and talk about Geno Smith, who we mentioned earlier, because he's likely going to be a starter here for five weeks or so, maybe even longer. And he wasn't bad in that short stint on Thursday, has some great weapons, Completed almost 60% of his passes and rushed for 23 yards while he was out there. So it could be a short-term fill-in for you. You just got to keep those expectations in check. At running back, guys like Kenneth Gainwell, Michael Carter, they should be rostered in most leagues already. They're up around that 50% cutoff mark. The big one this week, Darrell Williams, 16%. And then to a much lesser extent, Jarek McKinnon, just 1% rostered. They play Washington this week. That Washington defense has been nowhere near as good as we thought it was going to be before the season. But the thing is, Williams, he's never seen more than 11 carries in a game. So you know they're going to get somebody else involved. It's going to be McKinnon. Williams can be that volume dependent, low end RB2, high end RB3. And then McKinnon is just really a, a wait and see. Maybe he'll turn into a flex option. I have my doubts about that. And even if he does, he rarely sustains his production for long stretches, but Williams certainly worth an ad this week. I would look at 20 to 25% of your fab budget. If you're an RB needy team, if you need somebody right now, if not, then I'm holding and I'm waiting for a better option. Somebody that might be able to help you a little later in the season when it counts a little more Devontae Booker, 6% rostered playing the Rams. Like we talked about, it just makes them a little bit scarier because of those matchups, the Rams, the Panthers, pretty tough defenses, Sounds like Barkley's not going to miss too much time. Might just be a a week or two. So keep that in mind. He's just another short-term fill-in. I'm I'm not breaking the bank on him. Uh, With Damian Harris, with his injury and the uncertainty around that, Ramondra Stevenson, 7% rostered, playing Dallas this week. Needs to be picked up as that direct backup. But Brandon Bolden, who's 9% rostered, might actually end up being the more valuable option this week just because in those games where they're trailing, they're going to have to throw a little more to play catch up. And that happens a lot more to the Patriots these days than it used to. But Stevenson is somebody that I want to stash in a lot of places just in case. I would normally put P. Piran on this list after he split work with Joe Mixon, but with Mixon a little banged up. You'd think Piran was going to get a little more of a shot. Piran got put in the COVID list today, so we don't know if he's going to be available for week six, which means rookie Chris Evans becomes a little intriguing, at least as a deeper ad, a guy that you don't think they're going to give Mixon that full workload just yet. I mean, we'll take a look at practice participation and stuff, but my guess is they're going to go another week where they don't want to just pile on Mixon, so Evans could be involved there. And then don't forget about Alex Collins, 37% rostered, Another tough matchup this week. But if Chris Carson continues to deal with that neck issue, Collins could see some more starts as the season goes along here. And then with Geno Smith in there, maybe the Seahawks need to rely on that rushing attack a little bit more. So just something to keep in mind. Lots of other running backs listed in the column, but you can see them there. Go check it out. Give it a read. We're going to keep moving on to receivers. A few guys that are near that 50% cutoff line, Miko Hardman, Darnell Mooney, Hunter Renfro, And Devontae Parker, they should all be rostered in the majority of leagues. Parker was hurt last week, yes, but they said he was going to be a big part of the game plan had he played. And that's probably why Miles Gaskin ended up being a a big-time pass catcher for them in that one. Kind of surprising considering how he had been used this year that he comes out and has that monster game. And I know I listed him as a quit in start sit-stash quit last week. I said you should be trying to trade him away, maybe even drop him, but. Though that might look foolish at this point based on the fantasy points he scored this week, he didn't get it done on the ground. He had this shocking 10 catch game that is very much an outlier for him to score two touchdowns through the air to get 10 grabs in a single game. That is not going to happen again. Use it to your advantage. Go make that trade. Now get off a Gaskin before he returns back to a pumpkin. It is going to happen. They're going to have those other guys involved. They're going to be worse matchups down the road. It's not going to continue like this for Gaskin. He's not going to get lucky and have that receiving production every single week. But this is a receiver section. What am I doing talking about a running back here? Other receivers that we could look at, Tim Patrick, 31% rostered, playing the Raiders this week. We're doing this again, folks. So on top of last year's numbers, which I've gone over too many times to bring up again, this season, Patrick has 12 or more fantasy points PPR wise in four of five games and he has 89 yards or a touchdown in four of five games and in fact the only game where he didn't put up at least decent stats was the game where teddy bridgewater got concussed and true lock came in and even still in that game patrick had three for 39 so you figure maybe he would have had a bigger day had Bridgewater stayed out there. So he is a wide receiver three, wide receiver four. He belongs in your lineup most weeks, at least until Jerry Judy comes back, which is still a couple weeks away at the earliest. I do not understand why he is still out there in almost 70% of leagues. Canary's Tony, 17% rostered, playing the Rams. The talent is evident and it was great to see The opportunity is a little less secure, right? Because if Sterling Shepard's healthy, my guess is they would go back to him in the slot. We don't know that for sure, but I think that would be the case. So Tony should be the future there with all the injuries. He needs to be rostered until we know how that depth chart's going to shake out and who's going to be available and who's going to be sidelined. But a one game stat line of 10 for 189, that's no joke. That is no joke. You have to take notice and you have to get him on a roster. Rondell Moore, 40% rostered at Cleveland. He saw his highest snap share of the season this week, almost 50%. still hard to trust him week to week if he's not going to be a full-time player. He's going to have these splash games. He's going to use as a receiver and a runner this week, finished with five catches for 59 yards, three carries for 38 yards. You'd hope to see that progress as the season goes along, but right now you can only look at him as a, a flex. We're going to have these weeks where AJ Green goes off, where Christian Kirk goes off, where Rondo Moore goes off. And it's going to rotate a little bit, right? They're spreading the ball around there. So right now he's a flex at best, but the talent is there for him to be a star. He just needs that consistent usage to go along with it. And then lots of flex types and and riskier plays, guys that you could take a shot on receiver wise this week. You could check that out. I broke them down into categories in the article so you can see them all there. Uh, We'll finish off with tight ends. Hunter Henry should be rostered at this point. He's on 46% of teams right now, but he is the one running more routes 25 to eight over who this week hat tip to Nate Yonke always with that stuff over at pro football focus he's got those instant snap counts for us after the game but who's being deployed more as a blocking tight end so at this point you could drop him Henry is the one to roster in New England if you're looking for a tight end Evan Ingram who we've touched on a couple times 31% rostered playing the Rams snaps are increasing every week since he came back from the injury It was up to 74% this week and had his best day of the year. Four catches for 55 yards. We talked about Tony, but if Galladay, if some of those other guys are still hurt, Ingram's going to see more work out there. So he's a tight end too right now, fantasy-wise. Could be more if all those other guys are injured. And keep an eye on David Njoku. He went off this week, seven catches, 149 yards, and a touchdown against the Chargers. Not somebody that you're really feeling confident about, but if we're taking shots on tight ends, guys who could turn into something more, And Joku has the athleticism. He has the ability. It's just about usage. That's why he's a guy that we've stashed in the past, hoping that he was going to get traded. And maybe he's another name. Maybe this was a showcase. And he's a guy who could get moved to a team like the Cardinals. But he's the one running the most routes out of all those uh, tight ends right now. So a bit of a one-game sample size, but I would monitor it because if he starts to get a little more work in that passing attack, and we saw Jarvis Landry might be back to practice this week, so maybe that just puts a damper on the whole thing. But if you're ordering those, those tight ends right now, Njoku would be above Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper does not need to be rostered for any reason at this point. And that is all for today's show. Make sure you check out the full waiver wire column Monday night over at The Score I'll be back Wednesday with our week six preview episode. But until then, big thanks again to the Bills for pulling out that huge win Sunday night. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening, and we will see you next time. Said leave on time. My baby said leave, on time. leave on time with me tonight. I said leave on time.